like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, we welcome back an absolute favorite of mine, Carrie Newcomer. This is her third visit to Song of the Soul, and it's all I could do to limit it to only three visits so far. Each summer, I attend a national Quaker event called the Friends General Conference Gathering, and this year, 14 or 1,500 Quakers gathered in Kuluwe, North Carolina, on the campus of Western Carolina University, and Carrie was our Wednesday night performer-presenter. She brought joy and sparkle with her to the stage, and she also warmed and sometimes melted our hearts. And I and a small audience got the opportunity of sitting down again with Carrie Newcomer the next day. Carrie, I am just so absolutely delighted to have you here for Song of the Soul for time number three. I don't know that any other of my guests has yet done that, so thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be on the program. Actually, I don't mean to be rude, but I question your sanity being here. You give. (laughs) (laughs) Your generosity of your time and your energy here is so far beyond. I feel like your heart is so generous that I almost felt like I should have canceled just to make sure you had some time for yourself. I really am blown away by the generosity with which you give your talents to the world. So thank you. Well, thank you for for saying such a nice thing. It's been great to be here at the gathering. And, you know, while I'm here, I'm just delighted. I've had the chance to to work with some of the youth, with uh, some of the young friends, and to work with, you know, an adult group as well, and then do a concert. And it's really nice. It's nice that I've been able to really experience, you know, the community It's been some years, actually, since I talked to you much. And actually, the last time I spoke to you, you were just about to head off to Kenya, I believe it was. What the heck did you do over in Kenya? And I mean, you've already done India, so I guess maybe you had to take in Africa, too. Well, uh, it's kind of one of those long and windy stories. But the short version is that uh, when I was in India, I met the world master of the classical Sarod, uh, Amjad Ali Khan, and his two sons, Zayan and Aman. And we did an album together that was a benefit for the Interfaith Hunger Initiative. It's an interfaith hunger organization. After that album went out, I ended up going to Africa to visit some of the Interfaith Hunger Initiative programs. So I was there, and I was working in um, small schools in the Kasuma region, 
and then later on I went to Eldoret to one of the hospitals connected with Moy University and kind of sang with, with the kids and the folks who were uh, doctors, patients, staff. Did you actually connect with the Quakers at all while you were there? Only briefly. I was mostly working with this interfaith organization, but yes, there's a, there's a large Quaker community in that region, and I, I did have chance to talk to a couple people. The vocal Quakers of Kenya far outnumber us quiet Quakers of the USA, which is kind of impressive. It's a very vibrant community, and they're doing a lot of wonderful, wonderful things with education and you know, working within communities to really better the lives of folks in that region. So, yeah, it was, it was fun to meet our Kenyan brothers and sisters. There was a very interesting synchronicity that, uh, it's interesting to me, I hope it's interesting to those in the audience as well and to you, but the interview I did just before you was with this book, uh, the author of this book, Tom Small, using native plants and to restore community, and so there wasn't any obvious connection between Kalamazoo, Michigan, although Indiana's not so far away. If you look at this bookmark and the quote, at the top of that page, do you recognize any words in there that have anything to do with what you're just... In a certain sense, everything is everywhere at all times. And the name of the collaborative album from India is called Everything is Everywhere. It's not from that quote, actually. I don't actually know that particular quote, but the phrase for me, it came out of an email. Uh, When I was in India, it was almost very much sensory overload in a way. Here in the, in the United States, we kind of separate. Here's like the pretty part. Here's the not so pretty part. And we kind of separate things. In India, I found that nothing is really separated. It's all there all together. And so uh, I was emailing to a friend and I was just image, 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 image of things, 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 things that were that were kind of staying with me, delighting me, exciting me, fascinating me breaking my heart, you know, kind of image, image, image. And at the end, I said, everything is everywhere. I can't separate it yet. So that's where the the song came from, and that's where the album title came from. Well, when I was arranging the order of interviews here at the Friends General Conference gathering, Tom was originally going to be in this slot, but because this was the one place you could fit in, moved him back, and then I read that passage. Yeah. I was reading his book, for, and it just said, it was the introduction that Carrie was coming. Absolutely. So it was, it was all synchronicity, when the cosmos winks. Yes. <laughs> well, let's get started with your music. Again, you've done, you've shared a lot of your wonderful songs on the two previous versions that you've done here with Song of the Soul. How would you like to start out your Song of the Soul this time, Carrie? Well, I had a a new album that came out this year. It's called A Permeable Life, and there's a accompanying book called A Permeable Life Poems and Essays. And uh, this is a song from that new one, and it's it's based on canning. You know, I am from the Midwest, so you you must can, or they send you away. Um, (laughs) But actually, you know, there's something really lovely. I was invited to come and do this big canning session with a friend of mine, and she's an organic farmer, and... So a whole group of women, and at the end of the day, you know, we had 20 very sweaty women and a million jars of salsa. I was very taken that at the end of the day when we were dividing up the jars, no one was talking about keeping them, that they were all talking about who they would give their jars away to, and I thought that was just such a lovely thing that, you know, it was a small thing, 
just a jar of canned you know, salsa and at the same time it was it was everything it was so little and yet it was everything it was love in a jar so so I ended up writing this song about canning but not about canning but kind of about canning
you so much, Carrie. Again, folks, the work of our hands by Carrie Newcomer here today for Song of the Soul. And that's from her most recent album, A Permeable Life. Uh, what's the opposite of a permeable life? Impermeable. Impermeable. <laughs> I was thinking constipated, but what does perme- <laughs> what does permeable mean to you? Here's the poem. A permeable life. I want to leave enough room in my heart for the unexpected, for the mistake that becomes knowing, for knowing that becomes wonder, for wonder that makes everything porous, allowing in and out all available light. An impermeable life is full to the edges, but only to the edges. It is a limited thing. It's like the pause at the center of the breath, neither releasing or inviting, with no hollow spaces for longing or possibility. I would rather live unlocked, and more often than not astonished, which is possible if I'm willing to surrender what I already think I know. So I will stay open and companionably friendly with all that presses out from the heart and comes in at a slant and shimmers just below the surface of things. Hmm. Being with your music, Carrie, for me, so often feels like worship. I, I don't think I've found anyone else who captures my experience of worship with as many of the hues as you do. I'm not positive what you were writing about when you wrote the song Little Earthquakes, but I felt that there was some of worship very deep embedded in that. There were actually three songs, I think, on that album. I said she captured it. And on Betty's Diner, I felt like there are at least four songs in there which were specifically about one of my experiences of worship. Are you always writing about worship, or am I? is that just a filter that I'm seeing it through? Well, you know, my writing does have a spiritual current to it. it oh, all, it, yeah, yeah, you, you think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of, sort of, maybe. <laughs> and, you know, that's... That was a, a has been really an inter- it was an interesting decision in terms of my my writing and my art. You know, there there's a spiritual current in my songwriting because there's a spiritual current in my life. If it wasn't apparent in my work, I would be censoring something important about how I experience life. And so it's there. But I I do write in a way I, I do try very very hard to write in a way that that invites. You know, there is spiritual language that excludes. And so I, I do write in a way that I, I'm inviting, hopefully inviting conversation, speaking to the, the spiritual experience. I think we all have all kinds of spiritual experiences and transformative experiences, whether it's you know watching a sun go down and your and your heart is too big for your chest, or whether it's the first time you see your baby in your arms, and time expands in all directions. You know whether it's a, a meditative practice that's connected to a particular spiritual tradition. I, th- I think we have different kinds of spiritual traditions, and I, I think they're all important and valid, and I don't want to exclude any of that in terms of how I write about a spiritual experience. So I'm glad that it's touched one of those places for you, whether it's through the it natural touched world. touched about ten of them. That's the, that's the thing. That's, Yay! That's what I'm <laughs> well, that's good. 
That's good. So I could do a song that, you know, like the permeable life that I just wrote. The reason, one of the reasons why I put out this book is my process. If you lined up 11 songwriters and you ask them their process, they give you 14 different ways that they write songs, right? But my process starts usually with a poem or an essay or a short story. And often my songs kind of emerge out of those writings. Uh, the permeable life. There's a line in A Permeable Life that was the jump-off point for the song, a song called Every Little Bit of It. So it would be kind of fun maybe to do that song, because that idea of and what shimmers just below the surface of things. What is it? You know, we're walking along, and what is it that stops us for the moment, and then you feel connected, the, the bit of light that comes through the trees, and all of a sudden you're not lost in your head, but you're right there. Just beyond my sight, something that I cannot see. I've been circling round it, thought that's been circling round me like the vapor of a song. That is just out of earshot I thought I knew the question But I guess not There it is, just below The surface of things In a flash of blue And the turning of wings I drain the glass Drink it down Every moment of this Every There it is, 
just below the surface of things in a flash of blue and the turning of wings drain the glass drink it down every moment of it every little bit of it every little bit every little bit of this every little bit every little bit of it I was wondering, Carrie, you know, here you happen to be in a room with Quakers and last night's concert, you know, thousand plus, whatever it was. I don't think you usually get surrounded by quite that much Quakerness. <laughs> does, it, does it feel better or how does it feel to you relatively? Because you are Quaker, uh, when people do the hands raised, you know, like you just got out of handcuffs, right. that, that, that <laughs> little thing. <laughs> When, when, you, when, when people clap that way, does that um, feel incomplete? You like that one? I totally love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I totally love that. Yeah, it was, it was really lovely just to do a concert for the gathering. You know, having, you know, 1,400 Quakers all in one area. I mean, you know, we're not a, we're not a large community, though we've actually had a, such a big impact for such a small community. And I think it's a lot has to do with, the kind of ideas that, and conversation that we continue to foster in the world. But to have a, a group of people who have been thinking about these topics a lot and trying to live these topics, the things I write, I, you know, I write about, you know, integrity, being true. What does it mean to be true to yourself and to let your life speak, that, that your life actually is showing your deepest values and just how you walk around in the world every day. What does that mean? The idea, you know, these different testimonies, the, the idea of peace. What does it mean to be a light for peace in the world? Passivism isn't passive. So what does it mean to work toward a better, kinder world? You know, the idea of you know, the equality, that, that everyone, that belief that everyone has this piece of light in them that is part of the greater light, and that no one's light is bigger or smaller than another person's. And so what does that mean in how we treat one another and this respect and love that we give one another? Because each one of us has that, that sacred quality. You know, when you start to see the world that way and people that way, you know, we've been all thinking about that stuff. We ponder. I mean, people say, wow, do you think about, you know, I, I had a, you know, a drummer in a band say, do you really think about, this? yes, I think about this stuff all the time. And I write about this because it's never really finished. It, these, these, are, these are ideas and questions. And so we're always re-asking those good questions. What does it mean to live a true life? What does simplicity mean? What does it look like in a world of consumption? that's kind of harming the planet. You know, we, we keep asking those questions again and again, and I ask them in my art, I ask them in my life. And to be in a group of people, you know, who are kind of like going, we're with you. You know, we're thinking about this stuff all the time too. 
So in that sense, there's this great sense of like continuity and 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 kinship. There was this great sense of kinship in the room. And at the same time, all right, there's people who've been doing this for a long time. They've been thinking about this stuff. You know, there's folks who can call you on it. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> what you just said there, Carrie? <laughs> I don't agree. And, you know, Quakers will do that too. <laughs> We're not hurtable, you know. Permeable but not hurtable. Her- yes, not hurtable. I have to confess that you made me weep last night, and I seem to be in a tender place. My workshop has been very good and opened me up that way too, but I was afraid when I was weeping that I was the only one who was fully in that place because I I don't mind sticking out too much, but I was really hoping that other people heard it. When you performed, I heard an owl. By the way, I featured that on a added some music to a peace activist, uh, someone concerned with the good of the world. I added that to that program about a month ago or something so that uh, people could hear that message delivered so beautifully. You made me weep last night, and then I wasn't sure if other people were there. And then by the end of it, everybody stood up because we were right there with you. Well, thank you, and I that was, I'm I'm touched by that. You know, I I was very touched. I didn't quite. I mean, almost overwhelmed by that. I didn't quite know what to do with that. But, you know, the statement. You know, the the key statement in the chorus is, "Don't tell me hate is ever right, or God's will." These are the wheels we put in motion ourselves, and the whole world weeps, and it's weeping still and shaken. I still believe the best of what we all can be. Because the only peace this world will ever know can only come through love. So this idea, I think, you know, we hear a lot of statements coming out of a particular part of the religious community. That sounds, does not sound like love. You know, and I think I think there is a community, a part of the spiritual community that wants to affirm that statement that hate is not right or God's will. That's a human construction. So yeah, I think it was good to affirm that, and I think it was lovely having people affirm me in that statement as well, because, you know, not everyone appreciates that. Who would think that saying that peace comes through love would be a radical thought? (laughs) You know, there's a part of me that goes, yeah, (laughs) but not for everyone, I guess. Not for everyone. Uh, Of course, most of us disagree on how we get there. And in that last song you just sang, every little bit of it, you have the line, get out of my own way. You talk about getting out of your own way. The way I first really encountered that phrase was following up on a Quaker truism, way will open. And that phrase ends with, way will open when I get out of my own way. Where did you get it? Well... In that particular verse, I talk about Michelangelo. There's a famous, you know, Michelangelo saying that the sculpture, the the face was always there, that the piece was always there. He just had to, like, remove the parts that weren't the sculpture. I mean, it was the face was always in the stone. He just had to get the extraneous stuff out of the way. And I think sometimes as an artist, you have to find a way of getting out of your own way. I mean, we, we all have that inner critic you know what the inner critic i'm talking about the one when you're trying to do something creative and and you know the inner critic starts speaking and saying things like oh how dare you or 
like, oh, you've never had an original thought, or, you know, what if your mother hears this? I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> you know we all know that voice, right? Um, no. No, you don't know that voice? <laughs> oh, bless I, your heart. I am kind of a terminal extrovert, and somehow I have the, it's been one of the blessings. I grew up Catholic. I think you grew up Methodist, right? Yeah. I grew up Catholic, and I was, I'm told that Catholics are supposed to grow up with guilt or something, but somehow I think maybe I had some kind of WD-40 on me. <laughs> none of it, none of it stuck. I, guilt didn't, and for some reason, I've always believed that what I had, that came, what came from me, when I looked at it honestly, was going to be good. So I don't actually have that voice. And sometimes my wife says to me, Mark, I wish you had more shame, <laughs> which is something for a therapist to say. <laughs> well, it's not so much about, you know, I think it's a, some of it's about risk taking. You know, when, whenever you're putting yourself out there creatively, you are taking a risk with something that's important to you. So, you know, there's the other side of the coin. Whenever you really, truly encounter art, if you really encounter it, if you open your heart to it, you risk being transformed by it. You know, it's, it's definitely two sides of the same coin there. But, you know, the idea of getting out of my own way. Sometimes songs, sometimes songs I'm working on, I'm working on, I work on them for a long time. Betty Steiner took over a year to, to actually write that song. It was first a short story, and then it was character studies, and then a song, and it... You know, it, it, it was in process for a long time. Before that, it was just hearing people's stories everywhere I went and, and just the wants and the wounds of the human race, you know, everywhere I went. So that one took a long time in coming. Some songs, you know, I sit down and they happen in a half an hour and I just have to get out of the way. They're already there if I allow them to be. But, you know... In truth, where you know, how long did it take you to write that song? Well, all my life. It took me all my life to be able to let that one be born. But it, you know, it's a different little. You know, I had to get out. I had to get out of my own way and let it be born. I want to ask you something more about Betty Steiner in just a moment. But first, I want to remind our listeners that you're tuned in to Song of the Soul. And this is a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web at northernspiritradio.org. And that's org, like organic, like the canning you were talking about before. (laughs) Northernspiritradio.org, where you'll find more than 10 years of our programs for free listening and download. You can find a place to leave comments, and we love two-way communication. It gets lonely here if we don't hear back from you. There's also a place to support Northern Spirit Radio. That is what funds this effort. So click on support when you visit northernspiritradio.org. But even more important than funding Northern Spirit Radio, remember to support your local community radio station. They provide you a slice of news and of music that you get nowhere else on the American airwaves. It's absolutely crucial that we have open voices saying the hard things. And we can't get that through the other media because there's just too many limitations. There's many good folks working in all realms of media. But community radio has a special opportunity to get things through to you. So please support your local community radio station. Again, Carrie Newcomer is here with us. Her latest album is A Permeable Life, but she's got about 14 others of them. And she's got a brand new book. Permeable Life is, uh, you, you should find it. We'll have the links uh, to carrynewcomer.com on org. Follow it from there. 
Betty's Diner, though, I didn't want that thought to get away from me before we go on, and that is you have no idea since uh, I think it was 2011 maybe I played over and over, I don't know, 50 times or so, Betty's Diner, the recording, the not just the song, but all the stories that are wrapped up in that one song and fell in love with all of them. When I did that interview with you, you shared the song, Betty's Diner, and I hadn't really listened to the whole CD yet. The dog that's following a person or the all the relationships that were happening, all those people in there. Did you really work in a place called Betty's Diner, or was it something else? It wasn't Betty's Diner. I did I did work in an all-night diner. I was, you know, the 7 to 11 and sometimes the 11 till morning person. So I did, yeah, I've... I've I'm, a, I'm an artist, so I have waitressed, of course. Um, so it's it's somewhat based a little bit on that little diner. But, uh, you know, the, the album you're talking about is actually called Regulars and Refugees. Right. Uh, after I wrote Betty's Diner, the song, the diner people were not done with me. So uh, I didn't really set out to write a, a diner people album, but they still had stuff to say. So I ended up writing a series of songs that were from the viewpoints of the different characters that frequent Betty's Diner. So yes, you know, an, an older couple in their 90s, Alice and Roy, to uh, a good and faithful mutt dog named Bob. That was a fun one. I'm a little bit retriever. I'm a little bit hound. I'm a little bit cocker spaniel and something that was brown. <laughs> That album is just so full of just rich stuff. And I was particularly wanting to, I want to see the production. I'm re- I'm eager and ready, so tell us when that's going to happen. Uh, yes, the first production, uh, I've, I've written a play called Betty Steiner, the musical. So it's it's uh, I've written the, the music for the play and also uh, co-written the play part, the book it's called, with Richard Thomas. He's a wonderful sound designer and playwright that I've you know known and worked with for years. And the first production will be at Purdue University on their uh, main stage. And it will be, sep- it, opening night is September the 25th. And it runs through October the 10th. So it's a three-week run. And the Betty Steiner's characters, they come to life. And it's very Quakerly. I should actually say that the the story has a lot of very Quakerly elements to it, in terms of the kinds of things we're talking about today. You know, where does the spirit of goodness move in the world? And sometimes it's the places you're expecting, and sometimes in the most daily, ordinary, unexpected places you find the extraordinary. Where you find angels unaware. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which. If you don't know the album, get it and listen to that song over and over and over. Make your life good. Give us another song, Carrie. Sure. So this is a new one that hasn't been recorded yet, so that would be fun to do something like that. The title of the song is called You Can Do This Hard Thing. Part of it was from an interview with Barbara Kingsolver and something her mother told her. And and also that the Montessori teacher's Kind of sometimes we'll say to the kids, when they're doing something new, they'll say, you can do this difficult thing. You can do this hard thing. And I love that phrase because it acknowledges that they're going to do something difficult and that they may not feel completely comfortable yet. And it might be actually hard. And at the same time, it totally affirms that everything that they've done has brought them here. 
and that they have everything they need to take the next step and that they have support for it. So I love the phrase. And I started thinking about all the times in my life when someone said to me, you can do this hard thing, Carrie. There at the table with my head in my hands A column of numbers I just could not understand You said add these together Carry the two Now you, you can do this hard thing you can do this hard thing It's not easy, I know But I believe that it's so You can do this hard thing There at the station Breathing into our gloves It would change me forever Leaving for God knows what You carried my bags You said I'll wait for you You can do this hard thing You can do this hard thing It's not easy, I know But I believe that it's so You can do this Late at night I called And you answered the phone The worst it had happened And I did not want To be alone You quietly listened You said we'll see this You can do this hard thing you can do this hard thing It's not easy, I know But I believe that it's so You can do this hard thing Here we stand breathless and pressed in hard times Heart hung like laundry on backyard clotheslines Impossible just takes a little more time The muddy ground comes a green volunteer in a place we thought barren. New life appears. Morning will come whistling some comforting tune for you. You can do this hard thing.
Terry Newcomer, you can do this hard thing. Not yet released, but I I guess the fact that she's got that song all ready to go means that there's probably another album coming. Yeah, I'll be working on a new album uh, sometime uh, early in 2016, um, either January or, or maybe April. I'm not sure yet, but you know, I have a collection of songs and I notice you choose January and April. I, I seem to recall there's a couple months in between. What area of the world are you going to be at that point? <laughs> I just already have things booked. <laughs> so, so I yes, I do have a collection of songs, and I'm you know right now thinking about going back in the studio and working on another album. I think A Permeable Life was your 15th album, is that right? Something like that. That first verse of the last song about the columns of numbers... Is that not your forte? Uh, uh, math, yeah. <laughs> mathematics? No, no, that was yeah. That's a little, little that little vignette's about my dad helping me to do uh, mathematics. I, you know, I'm old enough to have been one of those folks who came of age during new math, which kind of didn't work. So yeah, so that, that, that little, <laughs> my dad saying it's okay. Never mind what the what they're telling you in the book. Here, let me show you how to like add, subtract, and do fractions. And that's good. <laughs> I'd like to have a little bit more music if we could. Sure, sure. Let me do one more song. Um, so, um, again, this is a new one, and um, I wanted to write something that people could sing along with. Um, I didn't, you know, starting out, I'm a folk singer, you know, because I'm a, I think that people call me a folk singer because I'm a girl with a guitar, but... Um, but I didn't do a lot of sing-alongs. I, you know, that that whole sing-along thing, I just kind of didn't. And then I heard an interview with Vincent Harding, who was an amazing man and very instrumental in the civil rights movement. And he was talking about how these days people almost make fun of the kumbaya moment, you know, like oh yeah, it was a kumbaya moment, almost diminishing the idea that we would sing together. But, you know, he started telling stories about all those times when singing together, you know, really supported the community and gave strength and connection that something happens when we sing together and that it's not something to be diminished. In fact, it's something to be preserved and celebrated. And he kind of challenged, you know, hey, you folk singers out there, you know, he said, well, we're going to have... We Shall Overcome Forever. It's an amazing song, and we're going to continue to sing it, but we need the new ones. So uh, I ended up writing something called If Not Now, after I heard that interview. And then and then I had so much fun singing with together with people. I started writing more, so now I have more. And this is a new one. It's called Lean Into the Light, which seems to make sense for Quakers. And since there are people here, like, kind of listening to the interview, this is your part. <laughs> And uh, it's lean in toward the light, lean in toward the light. Winter is the oldest season. Life leap beneath the snow. Seeds are stretching out and
just as seems in short supply. Lean Carrie Newcomer, marvelous song. Mar- and, you know, you talk about Girl with a Guitar, right? You know, that's got to be a folk, a folk singer, girl. I mean, they all go together, right? And I think that's because of Joan Baez, another Quaker. So you get folks, I mean, are all girl folk singers Quakers? <laughs> No, okay, I was just checking, just checking. I thought maybe you had some influence there. Before we have to go, uh, I thought you could perhaps share just a little bit more of your poetry. Again, tell us about the book, where people are going to find it. Are they going to get on CarrieNewcomer.com or what? Yeah, it's at CarrieNewcomer.com or you know, Amazon, those kind of places. Just you, you know, It's called A Permeable Life, Poems and Essays. And so you'll know, end with a, a poem called Three Gratitudes. And it, it actually is related to a song called Thank You and Good Night, which is on the album A Permeable Life. Three gratitudes. Every night before I go to sleep, I say out loud three things that I'm grateful for. All the significant, insignificant, extraordinary, ordinary stuff of my life. It's a small practice and humble, and yet I find I sleep better holding what lightens and softens my life ever so briefly at the end of the day. Sunlight and blueberries, good dogs and wool socks, a fine rain, a good friend, fresh basil, wild flocks, my father's good health, my daughter's new job, and the song, the song that always makes me cry, always at the same part, no matter how many times I hear it decent coffee at the airport, and your quiet breathing. The story she told me, the frost patterns on the window, English horns and banjos, wood thrush and june bugs, the smooth, glassy calm of the morning pond, 
an old coat, a new poem, my library card. And that my car keeps on running despite all the miles. And after three things more often than not, I get on a roll and I just keep on going. I keep naming and listing until I lie grinning. Blankets pulled up to my chin, awash in wonder at the sweetness of it all. Three Gratitudes by Carrie Newcomer, here today for Song of the Soul. I know you have other places to rush to, and again, I do worry for you. I, as I said, I wanted, to, I thought, I thought that maybe in to, the best way to truly honor you would have been to postpone this interview to another time. Oh, bless your heart. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a, it's a delight to be on the program. I should wear a, wear a big button all the time. This is, you know, hooray for renegade radio. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm there with you. And so I appreciate, I so appreciate the program and that, you know, you're doing so much to bring a certain kind of music with a particular spirit uh, into the world and continuing that important conversation. So thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a delight. We had production assistance on today's show from our friend Andrew Jansen. Thank you, Andrew. And we'll end this visit with Carrie Newcomer with a song I mentioned earlier that brought me to tears in the midst of her concert. It's called... I heard an owl, and I hope the message also finds a home in you. See you next week for Song of the Soul. Here's a portion of I Heard an Owl by Carrie Newcomer. I heard an owl call last night, homeless and confused, and I stood naked and bewildered at the evil people do. And up upon the hill there is a terrible sun. That tells the story of what darkness waits If we leave the light behind So don't tell me hate is ever right Or God's will These are the wheels we put in motion Ourselves and the whole world weeps And is weeping still Though we're shaking us best of what we all can be and the only peace this world will know can only come from love I am a voice that's calling out across the great divide and I am only just one person that feels they have to try And the questions fall like trees of dust and rise like prayers above But the only word is courage and the only answer love So don't tell me hate is ever right or God's will These are the wheels we put in motion ourselves And the whole world weeps and is weeping best of what we all can be and the only peace this world will know can only come from love
every candle that you can. We need some light to see. In these days of deepest loss, treat each other tenderly. And the arms of God will gather in each sparrow that falls, but makes no separation. Just fiercely loves us all. So don't tell me hate is ever right. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song